Welcome to the Layman's Homily Podcast. I'm Tony Darienzo. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about Holy Week, what goes on during Holy Week, and how do we live it well. All this and more on Layman's Homily. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, we have a packed show for you, so let's dive right in. So this week coming up is Holy Week. So we wanted to, for this episode, we wanted to kind of dive into, like I said, what goes on during Holy Week and, you know, some things we can do um, during Holy Week to make this a fruitful and prayerful um, week. Um, so first let's kind of talk about what goes on. So let's start with Palm Sunday. Um, so Palm Sunday commemorates Jesus's entry into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people, um, waving palm branches and singing Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, um, which comes from Psalm 118. Um, that phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we sing that every day at Mass um, in the Sanctus, the Holy, Holy. Uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Um, so in particular, focusing on the, the liturgy um, that we, we use for Palm Sunday. So we typically will start outside the church and there will be a procession. Um, now, regardless of whether we start outside the church or not, there will be a procession because it's supposed to commemorate Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Um, so there should be a procession. And yeah, like I said, typically it'll start outside the church. Again, it's commemorating this entry into the city. Uh, and everybody gets palms. That's everyone's, everyone's favorite time. Everybody gets the palms. Um, and the antiphon that's sung typically during this procession, is Hosanna Filio David, Hosanna to the Son of David, which is what the people sang um, when Jesus actually entered. So for this particular liturgy, it's, I think it's the only one with two Gospels. So there are two Gospel readings. Um, there's the entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of Mass um, from either Matthew, Mark, or Luke, based upon which year um, the lectionary or the lectionary we're in um, and the passion narrative that's the that's the long one where we read the entire passion and that follow again follows the lectionary cycle uh, either Matthew Mark or Luke um, so for instance this year we're in year C so we'll be getting Luke's accounts um, for both the entry into Jerusalem, and the Passion Narrative. The next year we'd get Matthews, and then the year after that we get Mark's, and so on and so forth. This, this gospel too, the, the gospel of the Passion Narrative, um, the crowd, so we in the congregation, we actually participate in the gospel. Um, you know, we participate as the crowd parts, which a lot of those are basically saying, crucify him, crucify him, or things like that to reflect the fickleness of our own hearts, 
right? We get the palm branches and we sing Hosanna to the son of David. And then, you know, just a few minutes later, we were saying crucify him, crucify him. And this is exactly what the people do in Jerusalem, right? They, they're the exact same way. And it's the, you know, it kind of gets at this point that, you know, we're, our hearts are very fickle. One minute will be like, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And the next minute we'll be cursing him, right? And that's just who we, that's just our nature, right? And it's to remind ourselves of that and to continue to work, remind ourselves that we need to continue to work to be more on the praise God side than, and less on the cursing side each and every day. So that's Palm Sunday. A little synopsis there of Palm, the Palm Sunday liturgy. Um, and so then we enter into the rest of Holy Week. So Monday, Monday and Tuesdays, Tuesday of Holy Week, they're just like normal daily masses. Um, the main difference is that the focus of the, of the, is the focus of the readings. Um, so the Gospels are both from, taken from the Gospel of John um, for Monday and Tuesday. Um, they focus on the events that happen while Jesus is in Jerusalem um, leading up to uh, the passion, his passion. Um, and then the, the first readings are the oracles of the servant of the Lord from Isaiah. So there are four of these passages, these oracles of the servant of the Lord. Um, and so the first three are read once one each day Monday through Wednesday of Holy Week and then the fourth we'll talk about later because um, that is later in the week and speaking of Wednesday so the Wednesday of Holy Week is commonly known as Spy Wednesday and it's called Spy Wednesday because this is traditionally when Judas Iscariot agrees to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So what's the what's the significance of this, this amount of silver? Um, well, first of all, there's this parallel between Jesus and the Old Testament Joseph. Um, now, the Old Testament Joseph was sold into slavery um, by his brothers for not 30, but 20 pieces of silver, so even less. Now, just like Joseph, Jesus is betrayed by those closest to him. Right, Judas is, has been following Jesus for three years now, um, and he's in his inner circle, and now he's betraying him. Um, and Joseph suffered a similar fate um, with his brothers. And again, just like Joseph, Jesus ends up saving his family, um, which in Jesus' case includes us um, through, through this betrayal. So jo Joseph saves his family, his brothers and Jacob, um, from um, famine. And Jesus ends up saving us from spiritual famine, spiritual death, by giving us grain, his own flesh for food, for spiritual food in the Eucharist. Which we're going to talk about that more in a second when we get to Holy Thursday. But going back to this 30 pieces of silver. Now there is actual scriptural um, basis for this, this amount. Um, 
30 pieces appear twice um, in the Old Testament, the specific number of 30 pieces. Um, so one place is from Zechariah, the book of the prophet Zechariah, um, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 12. Um, and this is the price um, paid to a rejected shepherd. Hmm. Does that sound like anyone? Oh, wait a minute. We're kind of talking about him. <laughs> the good shepherd, right? Jesus is the good shepherd. He says so himself. Um, and he is rejected, which, again, he, he does say himself that he's rejected. So, yeah, that, make, that price makes sense. 30 pieces of silver. How, how much really is that? To, to really know that, to get a context, um, we can look at the Mosaic Law. And in this case... Um, 30 pieces of silver is the amount owed to somebody if his slave is gored by another man's ox. So if, it, if, this, if a man's slave is killed by another man's ox, that, that man owes the person whose slave died 30 pieces of silver. So basically, what Ma uh, Saint Matthew, um, so that Saint Matthew's Gospel is the only one that gives the price, um, and that's the one we read on Spy Wednesday. So basically, Saint Matthew is saying that Jesus's life is valued as that of a slave. Right. So think about that for a second. God Himself, the the King of the Universe, humbles Himself becomes man and is valued as a, as a slave. Now we kind of can see can see that um, if we look at actually the second reading for Palm Sunday, um, which is St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, it says that um, Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself. Um, taking the form of a slave. And because of this, God greatly exalted him. And that's a little bit of a snippet of the whole passage, but which it's just a beautiful passage, but you know, you know, it's it's intentional, right? Jesus taking that form of a slave, he humiliating himself, humbling himself, teaching us what true love, true humility looks like and how we need to live. Um, and because of this, God greatly exalts him, right? Jesus himself as countless times, the first will be last and the last will be first. And he's living that in reality, especially with this particular detail um, that St. Matthew puts in his gospel. So that's Spy Wednesday. And now... Um, before we get to you, the Holy Thursday stuff, um, the, the real bigger liturgies, um, there's one other tradition that um, is important to bring up, and that is the tradition of Tenebrae. Um, this is a very ancient tradition um, in the church. Um, the word Tenebrae is Latin for shadows or darkness. Basically what happens in Tenebrae is Tenebrae is the matins, so morning matins and louds. So the first two um, 
prayers in the in the liturgy of the, the first two hours of the liturgy of the hours um, of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. I'll explain what the liturgy of the hours are later as things we can do during Holy Week, but so I won't go into much detail here now. Um, but yeah, so it's the mount. So Tenebrae is the matins and louds of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. Um, but we anticipate those on on the Wednesday of Holy Week, Holy Thursday, and Good Friday. Now, in some places, they do this all at once, um, but typically it's done like on each of these days. The the Basically, it's a bunch of psalms that are chanted um, beautifully. And at the beginning, so on Wednesday, on Wednesday um, you'll have a candelabra that starts fully lit. Um, but the candles are extinguished after each psalm is completed, one by one, until there's no light at the end. Um, so that's where we get the you know, darkness and shadows that derive the word tenebrae um, as the name for the, this uh, tradition. And so once the last candle goes out, there's a period of silence. And then there's an interruption with a loud noise. And this noise recalls the earthquake that occurs at the moment of Christ's death, right? So we read in Matthew's gospel that when Christ dies, there's an earthquake that happens. And so this loud noise is supposed to bring that back to mind. Basically, the whole service of Tenebrae is essentially a funeral service for Christ. It's pretty, it's a very cool, very beautiful tradition. Um, and I'd encourage you all to go to um, a tenebrae service if if you've never been or even if you have been to go again because it is that beautiful and so now we'll get into um, the last three days on um, the sacred triduum of holy week holy thursday so there's an ancient tradition of the church where mass cannot be said on this day without a congregation present. This is hard to say because, as we all know, a couple of years ago, 2020, a lot of these Holy Thursday Masses were said without congregations present because of uh, pandemic lockdown um, restrictions. And so this tradition was broken. It's really really very sad that it had to be or that it was I don't know if it had to be but it happened what's done is done anyway I think the the reason why is because you know Holy Thursday like it's the last supper right there's a commun community present at the last supper it's all about like the institution of the Eucharist, which brings us all into the body of Christ um, when we consume it. So there are typically 
two mass, two, two liturgies celebrated on this day. Um, in the morning, you have the chrism mass of the diocese. So this, yeah, it should be done on Holy Thursday, but it can be moved to other days for pastoral reasons. For instance, in the Archdiocese of Atlanta, which is my home diocese, um, we typically have it on Tuesday of Holy Week. But again, typically it should be done on Holy Thursday because this is a focus on the institution of the sacrament of holy orders, which happens on Holy Thursday. Um, so all the priests of the diocese can celebrate this mass with their bishop. Um, and it's also at this mass that they renew their priestly promises, uh, which they made at their ordination. And they do it. In, and they renew those promises each year at this mass. Now you may be wondering. I've done. I've been talking a lot about you know pre, holy orders, priesthood, all this fun stuff. But why? Why is this called a Christmas mass? Well, because that's this in this mass. The bishop blesses the sacred oils, which includes sacred chrism. So it's sacred chrism, and then the oil of the sick, and then the oil of catechumens. So all the sacred oils that will be used um, throughout the year, uh, the bishop blesses at this, this mass. I've never been to one of these myself, but I know people who have and say it's absolutely beautiful. So um, I would recommend going, um, but they get very packed with all the priests and seminarians that have to be there. Um, so there's not a lot of space um, in the churches, so in the cathedrals. So if you want to go, go early. So, and I know it's hard, especially like for people that are working, like myself, to be able to, to get to these. So, but yeah, I do intend to go at some point, probably not this Holy Week, but at some point in the future to go. Um, and I would recommend that you all should think about, consider going to one of these at some point in your life. Now let's move on to the Holy Thursday liturgy itself. So in the evening, the commemoration of the Last Supper um, is celebrated. It's the Mass of the Lord's Supper. So this is an action. This is a Mass, um, and the Gloria is back. So you may have missed the Gloria. Um, during Lent, because we don't sing the Gloria um, during uh, Lenten Masses, with the exceptions of the two solemnities that are typically celebrated in Lent, Saint Solemnity of St. Joseph and the Solemnity of the Annunciation. But now, Holy, Holy Thursday, the Gloria is back. And this one is special because there are bells that are rung during the Gloria. But after the Gloria is completed, there are no more bells. The bells are gone um, until the Easter Vigil when the Gloria is sung there. And so moving on to the readings, the first two readings and the psalm focus on the Passover and the Eucharist, right? Because that, I mean, that is the big thing that happens at the Last Supper. The, the Last Supper is a Passover meal. So the, the first reading from the Old Testament talks about the institution of the Passover. Um, the second reading is 
from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, talking about what he received from Christ, um, the handing on of the Last Supper, like the Eucharist, the new Passover. And then the gospel is really not about the Eucharist at all. It's actually about the washing of the feet. Um, when Jesus washes the feet of his apostles, um, even Judas, who betrays him, Jesus washes his feet. Pretty crazy to think about, right? Um, Jesus loves everyone that much that he, even, even though he knows that Judas is about to betray him, he still humbles himself and serves him and shows up, gives us that example of what we're supposed to do. The priest who celebrates this mass, who's celebrating, um, will actually, after the homily, typically wash the feet of some some of the men in the community. Um, at least at the Holy Week services, that, the Holy Thursday liturgies that I've been to, um, there will be 12 men that are picked um, by the priest. Now, I, each church might be a little bit different, but... That's what I'm used to. So, but it's it's really cool to see that imitation of Christ by the priest in this particular way, and the imitation of the apostles by these men who are picked. And so then we move on to the liturgy of the Eucharist um, at this particular mass. In which case, in this case, the Eucharistic prayer for this mass is unique, specific to this mass. So pay close attention to those to the words um, that the priest will speak um, when he's at this point in the mass, because you know you won't hear them any other time, or well, most of them you'll hear at other masses potentially. But yeah, pay very close attention because there are some unique, there is a uniqueness to this particular Eucharistic prayer, because it is on this night where the institution of the Eucharist takes place. And so then Mass proceeds as normal, and then, except at the end, where after the post-communion prayer, the priest will take the most blessed sacrament out of the tabernacle and process out with it to an altar of repose, which altar of repose is supposed to resemble a garden, recalling to mind... Um, the Garden of Gethsemane. So there's no dismissal because the Holy Week liturgy, the Sacred Triduum liturgies, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Vigil, they're all one continuous liturgy. Pretty cool, right? Um, so there's no dismissal because uh, that will, will we're saving that until at the end until the end of the Easter Vigil. And so during this procession, um, there's, you know, are some Eucharistic hymns that are chanted. Um, the one that's typically done and the most appropriate one, I think, um, is the Pange Lingua, which is written by none other than St. Thomas Aquinas. He wrote that for Corpus Christi, which is the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ, which we'll celebrate later in the liturgical year. But yeah, it's, it's you used here during this procession with the Eucharist. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. 
So yeah, so going back to the altar of repose, um, it's supposed to resemble the Garden of Gethsemane, and there there's quiet adoration um, of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, up until about midnight, in which case the priest, or, well, when midnight around midnight hits, uh, the priest will take the Blessed Sacrament out of the altar of repose and take him away. Um, and so that recalls the arrest of Christ. And now Christ is gone. He's on trial, and then he's condemned to death, and then he goes up to Calvary, and then on Good Friday, he dies. And so that leads us to the Good Friday um, liturgy which, again, is a continuation of the Holy Thursday liturgy. On Good Friday, there's no mass, there's no masses or any other sacraments except for sacraments of healing, which are confession and anointing of the sick. And so there is a, a communion service. Based, it's essentially a communion service on Good Friday. Um, it should be done at around 3 o'clock, should start. That's when it should start, um, because this is the hour in which Christ died. But it can be moved for pastoral reasons. For instance, the one that I typically go to starts at seven o'clock. But um, like I said, for pastoral reasons. So um, on Good Friday, the altars are bare. So if you ever walk into a church, you'll be like, "Wait a minute! What's, what the heck? There's no altar cloth, no candles. Tabernacle's empty." Let's remind ourselves that Christ is gone. He's, he's dead. He died. It just looks so sad and barren. And it's supposed to create the sorrow in our hearts. Now at the at the service, right, the commemoration of our Lord's Passion is what it's technically called. Um, the priest will process in, in silence. And then he'll lie prostrate in front of the altar. A period of silence. And then he'll go up and he won't even start with let us pray. He'll just read the opening prayer for this service. Um, and then we'll go straight to the reading. So in the first reading of Good Friday is one of my favorite readings, um, my favorite passages in all of scripture just because of how like sad it is. I like tear up almost every time I hear it or read it. It's the it's called the fourth fourth oracle of the servant of the Lord um, from Isaiah. More commonly known as the suffering servant. It's just beautiful um, the second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews um, I don't know it's just kind of it, it for me it's a little bit of a letdown from the beauty of the suffering servant and then the beautiful beautiful sorrow of the suffering servant passage and then the gospel which is to come but I mean, obviously all scripture is inspired by God, so it is good. 
But yeah, that's all I have to say on that. Uh, and then the gospel, right? So Palm Sunday, we read the pa- we'll read read the Passion um, from either Mark, Luke, Mark, Luke, or Matthew. Good Friday is always the Passion narrative according to John, um, Saint John. And this gospel reading is typically chanted, and uh, I love the chant. Uh, it's it's fun, uh, but sometimes it's not. But most of the ones that I've attended, the gospels have been chanted. I, yeah, it's better when it's chanted. It's my favorite account of the Passion. But I mean, each one is beautiful in its own way, right? So after this, there will be a homily, um, and then we'll go to the solemn intercessions. Um, So these are 10 specific intentions um, prescribed by the church. Um, So it's prayers, specific prayers for our our pope, you know, the church, and a bunch of other different intentions. And it's done in a particular way. Um, You know, most prayers of the faithful, right, it's like, let us pray to the Lord. They'll, they'll say the intention. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. This one, it's a little bit different. It's chanted. Um, and then it'll, you know, they'll chant the intention. And then they'll say, the priest will, or whoever's reading them, chanting them, will pray, will say, let us kneel. So we'll kneel for a little bit. And then we'll stand after this, the person reading will say, let us stand. Um, and then the priest will pray, um, like sort of like a collect almost like a like one of the like a prayer like that um, for each intention um, it's really beautiful like um, it makes it's kind of fitting for the occasion right it's because this is the most solemn these are the most solemn liturgies of the year so the inten- this intercession should be the most solemn um, and if you'll notice there were um, on in the Holy Thursday liturgy, there are no, there are no prayers of the faithful. There are no uh, intercessory, intercessory prayers, and so it's saved for Good Friday. And so then, after these intercessions, um, comes the next part of the, the service, which is the veneration of the cross. Um, so at this point, all the statues and crosses have been covered. Um, these have been covered since, hopefully. Um, since the fifth week, fifth Sunday of Lent. Um, but now um, the priests will have a crucif- crucifix or cross um, that is uncovered. Um, and it's the only thing that's uncovered. And then we will um, come up, um, each person in the congregation will come up and kiss the cross or venerate it in some particular way. And there will be hymns. Um, some chanted during during this time um, that kind of speak to you know, the occasion of this day, the occasion of the cross. And after this, um, after this veneration of the cross, where it's just a beautiful time to reflect on um, what we've heard in the readings and the death of Christ. Um, and then after this, there will be the distribution of Holy Communion. So there is there is. Um, distribution of Holy Communion in this um, service, um, but there's no Mass. There's not a, you know, there's no consecration. 
So all these hosts were consecrated on Holy Thursday. After this, there's the recessional, where there's a recession in silence. Again, there's no dismissal because it's a continuation um, and the liturgy continues with the Easter Vigil. And then the altar remains bare um, except for the cross that has been uncovered um, just prior. And so then comes Holy Saturday. So now Christ is in the tomb. Christ's body is in the tomb. But his soul has been separated from his body. And he goes down into hell. He descends into hell, as we say in the Apostles' Creed. And frees all the soul, freed, frees all the souls from the bosom of Abraham. Well, this is a past tense. This has already happened. But we're meditating on the fact that this has happened. Christ is proclaiming the good news and gathering all the souls that are from this limbo uh, bosom of Abraham state, which is where like all the righteous souls um, who died prior to Christ would have been um, in the afterlife. And Christ brings them up into um, in, into heaven. And it's um, there's a really beautiful meditation um, from an ancient homily on, uh, of Holy Saturday. Um, it's in the Office of Readings in the Liturgy of the Hours, which again, we're going to get to Liturgy of the Hours in a second. Um, but it's kind of looking at Christ talking to Adam and Eve. Um, and it's just... I love it so much. It's so beautiful. Um, I encourage you to look at that on your own. I don't have time to read it here. But yeah, we're supposed to meditate on Christ's death and sent into hell on this day. Um, again, there's no mass until the Easter Vigil because Christ is not present. Or, well, Christ is present, but like, we're supposed to remember the fact that Christ is and has died at this point. And again, no sacraments except for sacraments of healing. Uh, the tabernacles, tabernacles are still empty and the altars are still bare. And then um, we get to the Easter Vigil. The only things I want to say about it for now um, is that it's a continuation of the liturgy that began on Holy Thursday and had been continued with Good Friday. Um, and it'll be at the conclusion of the Easter Vigil that can, will conclude the liturgy of the Sacred Triduum. Um, I want to save more about talking about Eastertide and this most the most solemn liturgy of the year, which is the Easter Vigil, um, in the next episode. Um, because I want this to be more focused on the sorrow and save the joy of the Easter of Eastertide for next week's episode. So now we've talked about sort of what goes on during Holy Week. So I wanted to talk about some things, some suggestions to consider doing for Holy Week. Number one, uh, attend the Holy Week liturgies. Um, Palm Sunday, definitely, because that's a Sunday. And then also, like Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Easter Vigil in particular, because it's one long continuous liturgy, and it's the, the most beautiful liturgies of the year. And yes, they're longer, 
yeah, you know, it's a little bit longer than an hour, you know, it might be an hour and a half, especially Easter Vigil that go on for three hours. Um, but they're so worth it. They're just so beautiful, especially if they're done well. Yeah, and then go to um, the other masses too, if you, if you can, because mass is important. Uh, going to confession is another good thing to do during Holy Week um, because that is the one sacrament besides anointing of the sick and receiving Holy Communion um, that you can do every day during the week of Holy Week. And especially during Holy Week, typically there will be more confession hours at different parishes. Um, I know, like for instance, like the church that I typically go to the George Tech Catholic Center, they have a lot more confession hours during Holy Week. And so um, I'm sure other parishes do as well. So, you know, check your local parish bulletins for the confession times during Holy Week. My bet is there will be more. So if you haven't been in a while um, or need to go, you should, um, should go this week. Um, especially to, so that you can enter into the Easter season with a lot more joy. Another suggestion besides the sacraments, those are definitely uh, the best ones, but another thing to do, uh, pray the rosary. So when I, I pray a rosary every day, um, this is not me trying to brag or be like, oh, I'm holier than thou or whatever, but um, this is just it's just something that I do and I find important. And I've also like made a promise to the our blessed mother that I will pray the rosary every day. Yeah, so I, what I do when I pray my rosary during Holy Week is to do the sorrowful mysteries on every day from Palm Sunday until even including Holy Saturday. So for the whole week, even on Holy Thursday, which actually getting to Holy Thursday Pray, I, I will still pray the luminous mysteries as well. So I like to pray two rosaries on Holy Thursday. Focus on the luminous in the, during the day because um, the fifth luminous mystery is the institution of the Eucharist, so, which we celebrate on Holy Thursday. But then in the, at the altar of repose, we're trying to enter into the agony in the garden with Christ. Um, and so that, that's the first sorrowful mystery. But if you don't pray, if you can't pray rosary daily or um, aren't ready for that yet, that's okay. Um, I would definitely recommend, like, definitely at least during the Sacred Triduum, Illuminus on Holy Thursday, and then Sorrowful on Good Friday and Holy Saturday, and then Glorious on Easter Sunday. But we're not on Easter yet; still talking about Holy Week. And then another prayer thing you could do is Liturgy of the Hours. So Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer of the church. Um, priests are required to pray it, and especially religious. Religious are definitely, they definitely have to pray it. And so like when we pray Liturgy of the Hours, we are united with the church in praying these prayers. Um, and so there are five particular hours. There are five particular prayers. There's morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, and office of readings. And night prayer is the shortest. It's really short, um, but it also doesn't really change 
throughout the year to reflect the different seasons. Um, but the other, the other three prayer, the other th- four uh, do. So I'd encourage um, you to maybe pick pick that up um, during the week at some point uh, during Holy Week. And then the last the last practical um, is for or suggestion to consider for Holy Week is extra fasting. Obviously, we want to continue our Lenten fast because we're still in Lent. And Good Friday in particular is a required fasting day in the church. So you have to fast. Um, so that's fun. Um, and I'm saying for me as well on Good Friday. So um, now, one, now one example of a fast that you could do, um, may not necessarily recommend it um, to everyone, but only if you're really, really feeling... Uh, extra pious um, or feeling like you need to do it. Um, There's this ancient tradition called the Paschal Fast where um, one who partakes in this tradition does not eat anything at all from one hour before the Holy Thursday liturgy until after the Easter Vigil. So that's, you know, all of Good Friday, all of Holy Saturday, probably, and then, you know, the evening of Holy Thursday, so without food. That's uh, very extreme. Um, I, like I said, I don't necessarily recommend that, um, but something similar, not similar necessarily, but something you know, like that where you're adding something extra, extra fasting. Um, during the sacred triduum just to you know, remember or even if you're feeling it um, make an extra sacrifice in Holy Week during Holy Week and or making time for extra prayer which you know liturgy of the hours or the rosary uh, two good extra prayers you could do if you're not doing them already and so that's that's it for this this podcast this week's podcast um a few final things before we wrap up. So again, I want to do the customary uh, outro here first. If you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, please uh, subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review. And this will help us reach more people and get the good news out to a world which desperately needs to hear it. Secondly, we want to hear from you, dear listeners. If you have questions about anything we've discussed on this episode, previous episodes, or anything in general, please send them via email to laymanshomily at gmail.com. That's L-A-Y-M-A-N-S-H-O-M-I-L-Y at gmail.com. And finally, please pray for us and know that we are praying for you through the intercession of the patron of this podcast, St. Joseph. Um, God bless you all this week as uh, we enter into Holy Week, the most sacred week of the liturgical year. And next episode when we, look, when we speak to y'all next week I'm speaking to you on the other side and it'll be Easter and we'll be much more joyful but um, until then we've got this final push of fast prayer, fasting, almsgiving and sorrow so but God bless you all this week and we look forward to speaking to y'all next week This has been 
the Layman's Homily. <laughs>